Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time for Mortgage Matters. Uh, good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. The intro is misleading again today. We're not joined by Dan Podesto. I'm telling you, every time you have a guest host, it has to be Dan or Jason. Then it'll work. Yeah. Well, yeah. today we have uh, Will Will Barnaby. He works. He's one of the mortgage experts at Central Coast Lending. Good morning. Taking some time out on a Saturday to come and work. Shouldn't you be golfing or something? I really think I should be. I just opened, uh, you know, getting all situated. My phone has a text that says, do you want to play dairy at 11? <laughs> um, this, this happens every Saturday. I have friends that are going golfing, and I'm not. But see, that's not even an excuse anymore because the original – Part of the show was at 11 o'clock. That's I mean, true. Been doing this it, for five it, years. Just the mere fact that it's just Saturday. Saturdays are <laughs> booked. They're they're spoken for. Well, I'm supposed to be at Hunter at 12:30. So, all right. I yeah. think we'll get you there. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Will, thank you for taking time to come in today. And then uh, we got a couple guests lined up today too, just to help fill the airwaves. Uh, looking for a pretty fun conversation today about solar um so we have glenn joining us from am sun solar so glenn morning welcome morning guys first time on radio i uh, know i've done this before I'm pretty much an old pro by now oh, okay good i like it take a little heat off me usually i have to talk way too much during this show so I'll let this old pro take the mic and <laughs> tell us what's going on um yeah so just real quick Anybody that's tuned right in and wanting to know what's happening, uh, first start with you, Will. Um, Will's been with Central Coast Lending since it began and been in the mortgage business for eons, um, I think, longer than I have. How long have you been in the business? Oh, about 10 years. Yeah, so maybe not longer than me then. We probably got in somewhere around about the same time. About the same time, I yeah. think. But... Um, Will works out of the Paso Robles branch up there, so lots of uh, the North County business and comes by way of Will. So if you're looking to do business up in that area, there's a real good chance you're going to be dealing with him. And uh, I always enjoy talking to you, Will. It's always fun for me. Your your uh, views of things are always... Um, Slightly off. I was going to say <laughs> expansive. Okay. Um and uh, just from having, I mean, you, we talked about this a little bit last time I had you on the show. I just find it fascinating. But you were kind of what, an Air Force brat? Is that the right way to go here? I was an Air Force brat, yes. So you, you got some education abroad and um, through your formidable years have been exposed to some things that not many people are. And so I, I know you well enough to know that that's wired you up in some ways a little bit weird, but in some ways I think pretty beneficial. Yeah, it definitely gives you a different perspective, that's for sure. Real quick on the subject, I had a buddy that went to study abroad uh -huh. um, in high school, and when he came back, he said, uh, you're never going to believe the history books in the U.S. are slanted. And what they teach you growing up is like the U.S. perspective of how a lot of these things went down. And in other countries, they're educating 
uh, in a way that the story doesn't read the same way. And I, no, it's completely different. <laughs> That's pretty fascinating. When you come here, you realize that uh, a lot of our history is taught to kids, basically starting at the point when we started. And the things that led to that, the actual perspective of what was going on prior to that and what led to some of those things really is not focused on as much. Huh. Interesting. So it, it definitely makes you... Uh, it takes a lot of the Disney out of the story. Let's just leave it at that one. Right. <laughs> well, I was kind of thinking if two people are recanting the fight and one is the winner and one is the loser, they probably have pretty different versions of how it went. Well, yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty sure the saying is uh, the winner writes history. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, all right, so, Glenn, um, let's hear a little bit about you. How long you been in the area? I've been over on the Central Coast about 13 years. Okay. Where you come from? Uh, the high desert, uh, Ridgecrest. All right. Yeah. I went to school, uh, in, in near there, kind of in Big Bear. That's okay. where, um, my family's from. So yeah, we knew, we heard stories about you guys, like from Ridgecrest <laughs> and stuff. That's kind of a good place to be from, huh? Yeah. Because it, it implies really... that you left. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually it was an awesome place to grow up. I actually grew up on base on China Lake. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so it was just. You know, it was most civil, mostly civil service, um, but they just had everything, you know. It's like, you know, we could play tennis, football, indoor gym, swimming, you know, racquetball, just whatever. Every sport facility was there, movie theaters, bowling alleys, you know, desert to ride motorcycles in, you know, and the neighborhoods were just packed with kids my age, you know. It nice. Was, it was awesome. That sounds pretty fun. Yeah. Isn't there a big river that goes through there? Whitewater rafting and stuff? Is that anywhere uh, near no. there? <laughs> the Kern okay. River is just a little bit west of there. Got it. Yeah, yeah I think Ridgecrest is a pretty dry place, isn't it? Yeah, it's it? pretty much a... I've obviously half. never been. <laughs> Straight desert. I'm not sure I've been there either. And in fact, I apologize in advance. I judge you based at least in part on the one guy I knew from Ridgecrest <laughs> in college, and he was a strange dude. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Good times. Welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> I told you it wasn't going to be a stressful thing. This now is, I'm relaxed. This is supposed <laughs> to be a nonchalant, you know, kind of your smiling muscles should be aching by the time you leave here. That's, right. that's the goal. So so you've been over here for about 13 years, and, and now you're you're doing solar. Yeah, my background is actually in restaurants. I did restaurants forever, um, and then ultimately got into solar about two and a half years ago. Okay. Um and I, I love it. You know, it's just been a great thing for me. Well, I'm, I'm excited to, to get into the solar conversation with you. Um, I don't have solar at my house, though I got to say um, it intrigues me because every time you cut that check to PG&E, you wonder if there was any other way to do it. Um, and solar at least is, uh, to me, it seems like an interesting idea on account of it makes perfect sense to me how it works. And um, after talking to a solar person, I'm always left wondering why everybody doesn't have solar. It seems like a no-brainer. But uh, so interested to, to get your take on uh, what's going on in solar. Are you guys focusing more on commercial or residential or both? We do uh, the bulk of our business is residential. You know, just busting out one house at a time. Um, but we do do some small commercial. We've done a few uh, wineries. Okay. Um, we would like to push more into the commercial end of things as time goes on. But um, we're pretty happy doing what we do with the, the residential. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I'm kind of curious just to kind of get into it and talk a little bit about solar. You'll see quickly here that we're going to run out of time. We only have you for an hour, and, and we have to make sure we cover the ground or else we'll be caught at the hour in the middle of a conversation. Um, so uh, I guess the most burning question for me is who, who does solar make sense for? You know, pretty much anyone that has an electric bill pushing over a hundred bucks is can save some money with solar. You know, obviously the bigger your bill gets, the more money you'll save. But you know, all you're doing with solar is, you know, turn an expensive PG&E bill into an investment, you mm -hmm. know, and it's, and it's a really good investment. You know, you're, you're basically investing in yourself. You know, you pay your PG&E bill every single month. You know, you never miss that one. And so if you can take that expense and, and turn into something that eventually is paid for, and then you're having free power from there on out, why not do it? Yeah. Um, as kind of an aside, I recently bought the um, the water system from Haig. That guy was on the show before, and um, it's like a whole house filtration system plus soft water and reverse osmosis. It's pretty, it's pretty bomb, actually. As far as water goes, it, I'm pretty excited about the whole endeavor. Um, you know what really made sense for me is it it wasn't – really any more expensive than what I was already paying. Um, but the, I was on a rental plan. So yeah. the payment for me every month is just hundred percent interest with no end in sight. Right. Um, so it sounds like on the solar gig. So that was one of the ways that I justified it is, yeah, you know, I got this bill, but in five years it's going to stop and I'm no longer going to, um, be renting a system anymore. I'm going to have my own. And, um, so that kind of a similar logic to, to how you're justifying the solar? Yeah, for sure with solar. Like if there's anyone out there that just has some money put aside, you know, for retirement or whatever, and and they and they really don't need it, you know, that bulk amount for the next five or six years, to invest in solar just makes perfect sense. You know, the return on investment's high, the payback's quick. And then after that, you know, after the initial, you know, let's say your bill is 300 bucks a month. And you invest in solar. I got an example here of what that would cost. I mean, it would be you're looking at probably 25 grand up front, you know, for the solar, and then there's a 30% a tax credit through the through the Fed. So assume you can use a tax credit. You know, the true cost of the system gets down to just over seventeen thousand dollars. Okay. You know, so the payback on that's like four and a half years. And that's the total cost, seventeen thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. How much electricity does that provide? Would that actually replace the $300 worth of electricity in a month or supplement it? Where does it come in? That's absolutely zeroing out that bill 100%. You know, the only thing you're left with is a meter fee from PG&E, which is about five bucks a month. Okay. You know, so in that particular scenario, you know, like I say, that's a pretty good size bill, you know, but I mean, that's not untypical over it, here, you know. Well, you said before we started the show that you're paying. Yeah, I'm paying 300 bucks a month, yeah. easy. And I mean, granted, everything is electrical, and I have a well and, you know, everything else. I don't have other bills. But $300 a month is about what we pay. How much space does it take up? You figure a module is a little over three feet by five feet, and that's for that you're looking at about 28 modules. 28 modules. Hmm. You know, so I don't know how good your math skills are, but you could calculate that out in your brain. It's a pretty big spread. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll cover big. your roof, you know, but yeah, um, it works. That's the beautiful thing about solar. You sure. Know, is it, it's not a question of whether or not the technology is there. It does. It's just a matter of not, if it makes sense for you. you know? I'm a little bit of a, of a cynic when it comes to stuff like this, 
admittedly. Um, one of my first thoughts is if you can get past the fact that it's ugly, because I, I kind of feel like, I mean, that's a little bit of the elephant in the room is that the stuff, it doesn't look great. So if your house is super nice, it'd be nice if it was like, you know, on the back of the house or something facing, point it to the neighbor's house so that you don't have to see it that much. But um, my bigger concern is that how much maintenance is this thing going to cost? Like, so I'm going to zero my bill out so that my payment on this thing breaks even in four and a half years. And then uh, then maintenance costs, this thing going to break. What are the warranties like? And how long does it remain that efficient? Like, it seems like there's the system's got to degrade over time. And then there's a cost in there where after 15 years or whatever, am I going to have this ugly thing on my house that's no longer covering my power? Um, and I'm back to square one. Could you maybe try to throw about 10 more questions at me? Cause I'm just, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, gonna, just, I'm just kidding. I'm going to lean back now and then you, you can just talk about that. <laughs> no. Okay. So let's talk about the elephant in the room about the, the way it looks, you know, I mean, obviously, yeah, I mean, solar is not beautiful. Um, but it is getting better and better. You know, like if you have a, you know, say you have black comp shingle on your roof, we can do black, black modules with black frames and, Honestly, we just went up in San Miguel for my neighbor, and when I drive down my road every day, I don't even see a solar, you know, until I'm right up on it, just because it, it blends right in, you know. Um, and, you know, in my opinion anyway with solar is that it's, you have it on your roof, it's like a badge of honor anyway, you know. You need to be proud of that. So sure. don't don't be ashamed of the fact that you've got an ugly solar system up on your roof, you know, <laughs> if that's the way you're going to view it. And pretty soon you're not going to see it anyway, you know what I mean? So, um but anyway, when it comes out of, you know, when your bill comes in from PG&E and at zero, uh, you could put up that aesthetic sure. eyesore a little bit, I think, too, anyway. Um, but as far as maintenance goes, uh, that's another really great thing about solar is there's, it's just maintenance-free. It, ju it just sits there and works, you know. Um, typically, the rain, you know, if you have any kind of tilt on your roof at all, the rain's going to keep the modules clean. And that's the biggest hang-up is, is keeping the dust off them. Um, if it's a dry year, like we, we have those over here, you know, um, you might have to get up there and hose them off every so often, but it's not like you're scrubbing them down or anything, you know, just a little rinse will do it. We're just knocking the dust off. Uh -huh. Um, you know, the modules are warrantied for 25 years, so, you know, you're good to go there. Uh, the inverters, depending on what type of inverter you have, they're going to be warrantied for 10 or maybe 25 years, depending on what you get there. What, as a percentage of that overall cost, like we've kind of kicked out this $25,000 number, what of that would be going, what percentage of that would be going to the inverter? Uh, the inverters aren't a huge expense. You know, um, you're probably looking at, for a system this size that we were talking about, you know, like for Will's build to offset, you're talking to maybe a 7,000 watt inverter. You know, our cost on that thing's less than three grand. Okay. You know, so it's not. So if that's the part that failed, it's not like game over. Right. Know. And you can get like an extended warranty. So you get an extra, you know, extended warranty on that for, you know, probably half the cost of the inverter. And you might as well get it because it is going to go out, you know, between years 10 and 20, it's definitely going to go out. So you might as well get the, the extra warranty, you know, um, kind of the latest thing with inverters are, are micro inverters. And that's to where each individual module has its own inverter rather than having a central inverter. And those are warranted for the term of the of the module, so they're warranted for the full twenty five years. Okay. You know, so I mean, for the most part, it just sits there and works. Uh, you're not going to have a lot of issues. Um, it does degrade slightly every year, like you were talking about, but it's like half a percent a year. It's minimal. 
You know, I mean, there's there's a little bit of degradation, but it, it's small, you know? Yeah. So 20 years down the road, you're 10% less efficient, but you're still knocking the heck out of your bill, you know? Mm. And the thing's been paid off for, you know, 15 years by that time. Right. You know? So the other thing that, I've, that I always wonder about, too, is, um, yeah, I got this iPhone. It's a cool phone. Every time um, I get a phone, like within a couple months, somebody else comes out with one that's cheaper, faster, more powerful, smaller. Um, and that's been the case. I feel like computers for my generation, that's been the deal. You guys, you know, they used to take up an entire room. And now this phone can do more than what those supercomputers from the 90s were capable of. Uh, so what's to say in five years, the solar technology doesn't come up with like something paperclip size that can run the whole house. And then I'm the knucklehead that's got my whole roof covered in these old things with a 25 year warranty. Well, is that going to happen? How does it, how does the technology in those solar, um, the, the faces or panels, whatever they're called, how does it work? I mean, it will happen. They're going to get more efficient. There's no question. You know, it, every year they get a little bit more efficient. But it, it's, and I'm no expert on this, so you're probably asking the wrong guy. You know, I should probably have a, a technical guy like maybe Corey or director of operations. <laughs> I don't mean to stump here. you, by the way. And it's okay if you say, <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, so I mean, obviously the technology is going to improve. You know, I mean, they talk like in the future you're going to eventually be able to paint on solar. You know, I mean, so I mean, it's going to change. Yep. But in the meantime. Like I say, with the payback so quick, it's not going to change that fast. You know, five years down the road, your system's paid for. If something comes out and you want to pull it off and put something new on there, I mean, at least you've got your money back by then. Sure. You know, already. So, but I mean, it, as long as there's electric, you know, electric bill or electricity being used to power your home, solar is going to work. And whether it's covering your roof or it's the size of a postage stamp, you know, as long as your bill zero. Doesn't matter that Doesn't much. matter that much. That's true. I'm not terribly ashamed when I'm hiking around my big outdated phone. <laughs> and hey. you can just stick the old system back with that giant satellite right. TV dish that you got hanging out in the backyard. Yep. You guys won't believe this, but we've already done 20 minutes here of the show. So we got to do commercial break, take some time out to thank the sponsors. When we get back, um, we'll continue this conversation, probably move on to uh, give out the phone number and see if we got anybody that's interested in asking questions. So um, stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. When it comes to your mortgage, do you pay points or do you take the no-cost loan? Don't let your loan officer or banker choose for you. At Central Coast Lending, we help you decide. Numbers don't lie. We teach you to do the math so you can cut through the salesmanship and get the best loan for you. Because we can't be beat, we'll even teach you how to shop and compare other offers. We don't charge upfront fees, and we value every client. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. back with some timely music bed that just right on point thank you thanks jim yeah it's not a waste on me i'm, okay. I'm paying attention over here <laughs> all right you, you're welcome to sing if you'd like i uh every now and again when my mic kicks on and i got that singing bug i um clam up pretty quick hey the music's still wrong <laughs> <laughs> nobody right. wants to hear that i promise little yeah. solo Hey, so we've been doing the segment here so far. Um, man, we're just about halfway through, but we have Glenn on, and um, Glenn's a solar expert, and just kind of, I think, trying to ask the questions that uh, from a guy, I, I know enough just to be dangerous. You're not the first solar guy that I talk to. You're not the first solar guy we've <laughs> even had on this show. Uh, <laughs> of course, I mean that in the most respectful way. Um, so AM Sun Solar, um, I'm curious, I'd like to just kind of hear your take because like we, we have had, um, Brian Gillia from REC Solar. He's a friend of ours. Um, in fact, his dad used to work with me. And so we, we kind of have a, a cool personal relationship and, um, he works for REC Solar and I don't know what that means in the solar world, except for those dudes provide a lot of jobs their company seems to have been having kind of vertical growth for a few years i don't know how it's going lately um, but obviously you guys are a competitor to them and you mentioned that your company is a little bit smaller and i'm curious how you see that as um like a consumer's choice in the marketplace you know the nice thing about solar right now is that the demand is just growing you know, and so there's room for a lot of solar companies. You know, each company's going to have their own niche. I mean, obviously, typically when someone's doing a, a solar investment, they're going to get more than one bid, you know, to, to see what's going on. So, you know, our, our approach is just to really take a customized approach towards things. We don't really consider ourselves 
you know, solar salespeople so much as maybe consultants. You know, uh -huh. we, we really like to help our clients or prospects be able to make an educated decision, you know. So we'll spend whatever time is necessary to get them up to speed, knowing everything they need to know to make an educated decision. So that's kind of our goal, you right. know. So we're happy to go out there. And we do really high-quality work. And I'm not saying other people don't because I think they do. I think there's really good solar companies out there, you know. Um, there may be companies out there that do work as well as we do, but there's definitely no one out there that does it better than we do. You know, I mean, we just, we take a very personal approach to each client. Um, we spend the necessary time to, to really find out what their questions and concerns are. Um, you know, we like to just go out to their home right away, you know, to just do an on-site evaluation, uh, do the shading analysis like we talked a little bit with you off air. Um, just to see what's going on, what they need, you know, check out their usage history, um, check out their roof, you know, look over their electrical panel to see if they've got what they need, you know, to hook the solar into. Um, and then just figure out where they stand. You know, are you looking for something to do a lease? Are you looking to do a power purchase agreement? Do you have the cash for yeah, it? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you next because um, I had that twenty-five grand and I lost it in Vegas this weekend. <laughs> so now I'm going... All right, I, I don't have the twenty five grand earmarked anymore. What's option at that point? And I'm a mortgage guy, so I know that there's opportunity for people to um, maybe harvest some equity out of their house to come up with the cash to make something like this happen. And there are plenty of situations where that makes good sense. For example, um, a little more than a year ago, I helped some friends of mine do that, and their interest rate went down enough that the cash out that they got, which was ultimately 35 grand, um, they wanted enough to do solar and then other just kind of little, you know, landscape type upgrades around the house, this kind of thing. Uh, but their payment was exactly the same. So they, they, were, they managed to get access to $35,000 without changing their monthly mortgage payment. And that seemed pretty cool. I mean, any better than that? if people refi to save 150 bucks a month or 300 bucks a month, um, if you could refi and not save that but eliminate your electric bill, then maybe you're in a pretty good spot. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, seems I, like I, I always laugh at this because, you know, Will, you've been doing this as long as I have now. Uh, we come across these people that are. Um, somehow don't view themselves the way that I really do, which is you're, you're pretty much a balance sheet. You got some inflows and some outgoes <laughs> and you got some assets. And, you know, for example, I had a guy recently that owned five properties and his primary residence was owned free and clear. And his rental properties were um, high interest rates and unrefinanceable because they didn't have enough equity and stuff. And I'm going, dude, if we took a loan against your primary to balance out all these other ones, you're going to walk away with the exact same amount of debt, but I'm going to improve your cash flow by $2,000 a month. And guy says, no, I don't put debt against my primary residence. So, well, um, you are totally missing the boat. And, you know, and of course I can't use that strong language, but I encourage people to say, well, you know, you're kind of a balance sheet and, and if, if I could break down these barriers as to why you believe not having a loan against your house yet being leveraged in other real estate makes sense, 
um, I, I'd like to hear what those reasons are. And so, well, if something goes down, um, I'll never lose my house. And go, well, newsflash, man, if something goes down and you end up owing people money on other houses that um, they're going to know you have a house that's full of equity and they'll come get you on that one too. So I always try to think of things in a real kind of pragmatic way. You have equity in this, a bill here, and if you could make the bill go away or somehow rearrange what you're working with to improve your cash flow, shouldn't that really be the goal? Exactly. I, I deal with the exact <coughs> same people at times. You know, it, it kind of blows me away at times when I, I know I'm dealing with a really smart person, someone who completely understands numbers, but for some reason there's a sticking point, you know, that they don't. They yeah. Don't and, you know, the other thing, too, is um, I always feel and I kind of felt this way even when I bought my water system from Hague recently. I, I did all the research. I got second opinions. I sat through the presentation. I, I did the whole thing. And at the end of the day, it was throw down some dough. You know, it's time to to pull the trigger and say this is an investment that's worth it for me. And, and in my case, there's no payoff in it for a little more than five years. Um, I'm getting higher quality water for sure, right. but I'm not, I didn't make a bill go away, you know? Um, and I tell myself that I'm still going to need high quality water in five years. So whether I go on renting or I do this, in five years, I'm going to realize this benefit. And, um, but so that's kind of, I think one of the things that's hard for people to, to pull the trigger on at the end of the day, even if you have all the information, all this kind of thing, you kind of go, am I making the right decision? And it's easier to just say, you know, I'm not going to spend 25 grand. That's great. Right. I'll, I'll just, I'd rather pay PG and E cause at least if, um, you know, whatever I could move or whatever and not have to pay PG and E or something. But with the solar now I'm roped into something bigger, long term. Um, what's your experience or opinion about solar and a home's resale value? Um, you know, the resale value does seem to get a little bit of a bump. Like we definitely on appraisals see some, I, I don't know that I've ever seen $25,000. Um, that being said, you're also talking about how you're carrying debt and your monthly mortgages and your monthly bills. Obviously, there's more than just the cost of it. But, you know, I don't know, about three quarters of the way down the column on every appraisal with comps that have solar systems, you do usually see an adjustment. Um, I want to say it's usually 7,500 to 12,000, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. You know, so it definitely adds value. Um but it also affects your cash flow, you know. So, I mean, you've got a certain amount of responsibilities that you have to take care of on a monthly basis. And minimizing the cost of that seems intelligent. Kind of like the, the other... guy that doesn't want to carry the debt on the, the primary property or the primary residence. Yeah, and, you know, when we qualify somebody for mortgage purposes, your PG&E bill is not taken into consideration. So that right. doesn't have any impact on your qualification. Your PG&E bill could be 1500 bucks a month and if nobody you guys knows. can maybe start mentioning that it would probably help out the solar world a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so that I, I, I feel like it does make a lot of sense, but I can see why people are a little bit apprehensive, but, um, got to kind of just keep breaking down these barriers, right? I mean, that's what you're doing for a living. And I like to think that's why you're here today. It's just to kind of have a dialogue and get people realizing that, that there's, there is something viable to the solar and, um, to have that consultation. 
Um, so I'm curious about that. If somebody does say, let's say Will, for example, I saw his ears perk up a little bit. The dude's paying 300 bucks a month to PG&E um, on a well with a well pump, and those are kind of power hogs. Yes. Um, if this guy could zero out your bill, uh, you might be all ears here. So does there a fee for you guys to come out and make this whole big pitch? I mean, cause I don't think he's sold yet, but <laughs> when you go through and do the full analysis and all that, is there a fee for that? Or you guys just put that time in hoping that you're going to make it make sense? No, it's just an investment on our end. You know, I mean, obviously it's, you know, every solar company does it. You just go out there and you evaluate your situation, you know? So in, in the event that, you know, I don't have the 17 grand to lay down or 25 grand to lay down, what's the lease option look like? Yeah, so there's good lease options out there. You know, if you, if money's an issue, you know, as far as cash goes, but you have good credit, you know, typically the leasing companies are looking for a 700 plus FICO, you know, to get you qualified without looking any further. Um, there's there's other options. You know, if it's a little bit lower, you know, they look to debt to income ratio and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, so at least I mean, basically you're you're not purchasing any equipment whatsoever. We just come out and put it on your roof, and then you know. Usually with the lease, rather than eliminating that full $300 bill, what we would do is just get you out of your upper tiers. And so I don't know how close of attention people pay to their bills or not, but basically the more power you use, the more you get charged per kilowatt hour. So, right. um, so anyway, on a lease situation, typically, you know, your first two tiers with PG&E are like at 13 cents a kilowatt hour and 15 cents a kilowatt hour. And after that, it goes like 23, 33, 34 cents a kilowatt hour. So it gets pretty pricey after that. So with a lease, typically you're, you know, there is a cost of solar, obviously, if you're doing a lease. And it's, it's probably about 15 cents a kilowatt hour. So rather than trying to eliminate those first two tiers, we just get you down to those where you never go above them. You know, so then and that might make a $300 a month bill, what, 150 Mm, substantially less you know you figure in your first two tiers i think you have maybe 400 kilowatt hours i don't know if you would do the math times you know say 14 cents a kilowatt hour 60 bucks you know so there's your bill there you go you got a good brain on your head that's nice I, that might or might not be right <laughs> <laughs> relatively close so anyway and then you got a lease payment on top of that but it's okay. combined it's going to be way less than what you're paying you know for your electric bill so, and then, you know, there's, it's insured, it's warrantied, everything's covered. So even if you have a central inverter, it's covered for the full term of the lease, whether it's 20 years or 25 years, you know, so, mm -hmm. and that's a, just a no money out of pocket, just instant savings kind of thing. That was truth be told, that was kind of the, the system that I was thinking might be smarter for me where I don't want to feel like I got to own the thing or pay forever for it or whatever it, if I, if my perception of this is correct, you guys on your dime come put the bad boy in and then my bill just gets lower and sort of normalized. Yeah, exactly. You just you basically never pay more than say fifteen cents a kilowatt hour for your power, which is nice. And you and you lock it in. I mean you can there's escalating leases, you know, where it goes up like two point nine percent a year. Typically PGE's rates go up about six percent a year. And so that's where the leasing companies feel like, hey, yeah, it's going up a little bit, but your payment, you know, initially starts out lower and then just goes up every year by about 3%, uh, but it's still staying below PG&E's typical price increase. So every year that goes by, you're saving a little bit more money or you can just lock it in, you know, zero, zero escalation. You know, if you look at it and like your bill's 300 bucks a month and I can lock you into a lease for 175 a month for 20 years, 
why not do it? Mm-hmm. You know, and th- and that's you think about ten years down the road, how much your bill is going to be with PG&E if it's gone up six percent a year. You know, I don't have numbers in front of me, but it's going to be huge. And then say you go to sell your home, and someone comes in and like, well, we've got this lease, but the payment's one fifty a month. Your bill's you know covered. So and it's never going up. You know, so it, it's it's actually so a, why don't we all have solar? Um, because par- we're part of it's, we're dumb. Um, you know, I mean, not every house is. <laughs> is that why? Honestly, well, is, that, is it just new or? It's what? a lack of education, obviously, for sure. You know, it's a perception that it's too expensive. I mean, a lot of people think that. You put this system. You put one of these systems in on your mom and dad's house. Not yet, and you know why? Because their bill's so small. Oh. Like they they have. They're this, not using enough. They don't use enough. Yeah. So. Yeah. I wish they would. I don't have that problem at my house. My kids uh, leave the lights on and the TVs on all night. So what about this credit? You said there was an $8,000 credit or 30% tax credit or something along those lines? Okay, so that's for cash purchases. Okay, if you do a lease, obviously the leasing company owns yeah. the equipment. They'll take that credit and they'll pass the savings on to you. But, um, yeah, so there's a 30% federal tax credit. Mm-hmm. So And it, it's not a write-off. It's an actual credit, you know. So if you have a oh, 10 grand at the end of the year mm-hmm. and you have, you, you just put in solar, there's $7,500 in tax credit, you know, well now you owe 2,500 bucks instead of 10 grand. So Very it's, cool. it's significant. I mean, that's, that's kind of what makes solar pencil out. Is that going anywhere, by the way? I heard the feds are like kind of broke. <laughs> <laughs> no, serious. Um, it's set to expire in 2016. Okay. But whether or not it will, Who's to say solar is just a real positive thing. So for them to take away that kind of subsidy, I don't know. Again, right. I'm not an expert on the political. And does the state do anything for tax credits? The right now the state is out of money for that. They allocated no X way. amount of dollars for solar, but they burned through it. There is still some uh, credit for new construction. So that's something to consider when someone's building a home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to get on it before they actually take permit of occupancy. Um, there's about a, I think it's maybe a dollar twenty-five per watt rebate right now through the state. So that's pretty substantial. Huh. That is substantial. Yeah. Hmm. So do you get busier at tax time? Is that something that happens? Is tax uh, planning? Is your CPA just looks across the table and goes, "Will you got to buy solar, buddy?" <laughs> <laughs> it actually it gets down to crunch time at the end of the year because you know basically you need to be interconnected with PG&E by the end of the year to take the tax credit for that year to get right. the credit. So if you're in a tax dilemma. You kind of want to get I'll share some advice with you, though, Will. Well, I was just going to say, so everybody out there that, you know, knows they owe a whole lot of money this year, maybe you need so to call. So way to go. <laughs> my, uh, my wife's grandfather, um, oh, it always feels funny to say it that way. I consider him my grandfather. Uh, one of the smartest guys I know when it comes to math and budgeting and numbers and stuff. A long time ago, he told me, nobody ever gets rich by buying write-offs. So... Very take true. Take that Very with true. you, because you still got to shell that seventeen grand to save that. But if it's something you want anyway, that's that's the point. That's now, a sweet here's the thing, rebate, though, Jason. It's not. It's not like you're going out and buying a car that's going to depreciate. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to be able to write this off because it's for my business or whatever. You're actually changing an expense to an investment. Sure. And so that's the big difference in solar versus a, a there's not and there's not a lot of opportunity to do that, by the way. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, you guys know just from, you know, if someone goes in and remodels their kitchen or whatever, you know, I mean, obviously it increases the value of their home, but probably not as much as they spent. No. You know, depends and, on the market. But yeah, yeah, probably not. But let's say down the road, the, the cost of solar 
bumps up the value of the home by 7,500 bucks or whatever it is. Well, deduct that off of your 17,000 that you, you're invested in that. And then keep in mind that you haven't had an electric bill for the last 10 years. You know, I mean, you're getting all your money back. There's yeah. no question. And then some. So. Well, cash flow wise, you're definitely getting your yeah. money back over time. Yeah. You know, and then once it's paid off, you're the, the bonus bread. Yeah, yeah, it's like astronomical, the, the return on investment, you know. There's yeah, no that's pretty sweet. It. Yeah, you know, honestly, if you had the dough laying around and could just chunk it out, I, I would view it this way. This is a, and you could use this in your sales pitch if you want. Appreciate it. Um, if you get a... $7,500 tax credit or whatever for installing this $25,000 system. If you're the dude that's got the dough laying around, um, you can put, I know at my bank, I just got pitched this this week. If you put $100,000 in this account, um, kind of CD-esque, they give you 0.3%. Nice. 0.3. 0.3. So Ooh. your hundred grand here can make you twenty five bucks a month, and that's got to feel pretty good. <laughs> but if you if you shell out this seventeen G's out of the, you know, if that's what the net is yeah. out of a bank account that's earning nothing right now, um, and then count like the return on investment of three hundred dollars a month of energy um, being taken out by this it's basically like earning 300 dollars a month in interest which on your 17 grand is what i'm it's just a state school like kid, over 20 percent so that's a that's yeah that's like making a pretty fat return on your cd because you pay energy anyway and that's just over four and a half years while you're paying it off and then when it's paid off you're still saving that 300 bucks yeah well it's you, basically like you withdrew your principal and kept receiving the interest payment yeah that's exactly. what it is exactly. that's pretty fascinating um, we're at the point here where we got to take the final break of this hour. And when we get back, I um, want to give you guys the opportunity to ask Glenn some questions. Um, the number to the studio is 543-8830, 543-8830. Um, cue the phone up. We're going to take some calls when we get back from the break and then close out this segment. Thanks for listening. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. When it comes to your mortgage, do you pay points or do you take the no-cost loan? Don't let your loan officer or banker choose for you. At Central Coast Lending, we help you decide. Numbers don't lie. We teach you to do the math so you can cut through the salesmanship and get the best loan for you. 
Because we can't be beat, we'll even teach you how to shop and compare other offers. We don't charge upfront fees, and we value every client. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We got the last 10 minutes here with Glenn. Glenn's from AM Sun Solar and um, been a fun conversation. I enjoy the uh, your your attitude in terms of being a um, kind of a consultant of sorts where because I, I view my job the same way. Right. I like to think that um, I'm an expert in home loans and I certainly have opinions about how the whole thing's supposed to go down but my goal really is to sit down with my client and find out what their needs are and what they're doing propose the different options and kind of get them into a position where they've got enough information to make the decision on their own exactly. you know and in, in terms of the the loan term how many years we're going to do the interest rate um as you probably know there's a there's a relationship between your rate and your closing costs, and that's not often talked about. I think at the banks, that's swept under the rug, and um, it's something for us that it's pretty sweet to talk about. You know, I can, I can show somebody how uh, paying 50 bucks more per month is going to take $7,000 off their closing costs, and that may or may not be right for somebody. Right. But if you know that and can participate in the decision in the end, everybody feels better about it. And it, it sounds to me that that's, that's the way that you guys approach this too. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just try to make everything as transparent as possible and ask the right questions so a good decision can be made. I was hoping that one of our listeners, um, I think there's, what's that on the monitor? Yeah, there's three people listening today. So um, <laughs> that must be your wife, your wife, and my wife. So there we <laughs> there go. There you go. Um, but if anybody does want to call seriously and ask a question to Glenn, you got an expert here. Um, number to the studio is 543-8830. And you can call in and ask a question or share a comment. Um, I always enjoy hearing from people that have solar, too to call and say um, what it's meant to them. 
Do you guys get a lot of feedback from clients that have it installed? I mean, I guess since it's maintenance free, you probably don't have too much communication with a client that installed it. But what's the run into them at the kids' soccer game and they're like, that's that guy that uh, sold me that crap solar? Or are they like, dude, you changed my life? No, we have a really good rapport with all our clients. You know, yeah. we, we keep in touch with them. You know, we just. We think it's important, you know, after the sale, not to just drop the ball on people. Like you say, there's not much to it, you know, but we like to just touch base and just, you know, every year you get a, get your true up bill from PG&E, you know, and we'd like to find out if it's what they were expecting, you know, do we zero out their bill? Do we size the system the way it should have been sized? And yeah, we have uh, success stories. It's nice. That's you know? cool. Yeah. My neighbor, like I say, he just sent me an email saying, just got my first uh, statement from PG&E and they owe me 15 bucks. You know, he was just pumped. That's you know, he's, he's just never had a credit before, you know, so. And so how do you get the credit? Are you actually sending power back into the grid that they're buying from you? Yeah. So, you know, if you're if you're producing more solar than your more power than your home's using and your your meters literally spinning backwards. I don't think I'd be selling too much because, you know, <laughs> we just use more. Yeah, I'm pretty sure mine would. Uh... That's how we roll in my house. But if I got to zero, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, and the thing is, you don't want to oversize your system. You know, that's the other thing. You know, you get a lot of people like, oh, I just want to throw a ton of solar up there and just have PG&E owe me money, you know? Yeah. Well, it's not really worth it. I mean, PG&E is going to pay a wholesale rate, and the cost of solar is going to be more than that. So Yeah, I mean, what the, it, <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> what does PG&E buy a kilowatt hour of power from you for? You know, actually, when you're putting it on the grid, they're paying you retail when you're spinning oh, okay. a meter backwards, yeah. So that works out nicely. But if you overproduce, so you produce more kilowatt hours in a year than what you use, they're going to pay you, I think it's somewhere between four and eight cents a kilowatt hour. No, no. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, but like, you know, during the day or whatever, you know, because basically what happens is instead of getting a bill every month from PG&E now, you get a statement. And so during the winter time, you know, your system's not going to produce more power than what you're what you're using, you know, and, and in the summertime, it's going to kill it and it's going to totally make up for that. And the goal is to zero it out at the end of the year. Okay. You know, so yeah. So when you're putting it on they're, you know, they're paying you the rate and then, and then you're buying it back, you know, so. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Make me want to have some solar. I'll tell you that. I like the, uh, I like the idea of just getting to a point where one day you don't have an energy cost for that. Cause you know, the reality of it is, is that in five years, the PG&E, all of these tiers may be double. I mean, we have no idea what the future holds in terms of, you know, if they had some big storm event or major um, malfunction or destruction of infrastructure somewhere where all of a sudden they're having to offset these rates with, uh, right. you know, to produce capital on their end, we could all be hose that was i was sharing with you that i went to that little pg and e workshop and um that was one of the things people said when you think about pg and e what do you think about and i was sitting there and i was like you know what you want to know what i think about pg and e <laughs> <laughs> and but truly though um let me go on record to say that i i have a lot of respect for pg and e and i do i think they do a lot of great things around the community They've done a pretty good job of um, keeping a, a pretty positive imi image. Let me tell you what I don't like about PG. <laughs> the bill. 
I freaking hate monopolies, dude. I hate monopolies. I hate, 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 hate monopolies, especially when I feel like I got no other choice. I'm going to pay whatever they say I got to pay whenever they say I got to pay it. And if they want more, I don't have a choice. I got to pay it. Um, I just hate that. I right. hate that as much as I hate um, the whole like companies, things that have contracts, you know, Oh, if your if your service is as good as you say it is, why do I got to agree up front to do this for thirty six months? It's if it's so bomb and affordable and everything about it's great, I'll keep going. I'll go <laughs> next month too. You're you're doing a good job, but you all of a sudden want me to commit to twenty four months, and I'm backing up. Like, well, is that because when I get there, I'm going to realize it sucks? That is how I'm wired up. I don't like the monopoly thing. I wish there was another choice. I think charter, um, if there is some sort of afterlife for corporations, charter is going to be in a hot place. And <laughs> I don't like that I don't really have much choice in that respect. You know, it's kind of anyway. So I want to do solar just because I want to get away from supporting the monopoly. Yeah, I want to I mean, be done with that. That's a that's an indicator for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, they just they're over paying that bill every month and like you say when the when the rates go up, you don't have a choice. You just pay it. Interesting stuff. And well, they are and going to go up. The bigger picture too, which we didn't focus on too much today. Um I didn't you weren't in a Prius this morning. Usually my solar guests are in a Prius. <laughs> um but to a lot of people, the cost thing is a secondary issue to wanting to to lessen their impact on the environment through energy use. And right, that's yeah. something we could probably talk about for a whole nother hour, but we're running out of time. Um, Jim just stuck up the two finger mark, which means um, we got less than two minutes to go. I definitely want to um, give you this two minutes to uh, both give a closing thought and um, your contact information for anybody that might be um, Though nobody called today, um, I think that there are people out there that you've got their curiosity and how can these people reach you? Yeah, I think probably the main thing to emphasize is that uh, going solar doesn't have to be difficult. We make it super easy. You know, we take care of everything from start to finish. Um, so if you want to get a hold of us, you can get to our website at uh, amsunsolar.com. Uh, you could reach us at the office at 805-772-6786. And we'd be happy to just come out and give you an evaluation. And it doesn't cost you anything. You know, by the time we're done with you, you'll be much more educated and have the knowledge you need to make a decision. Right on. Hey, I really appreciate you coming in today. It was even kind of last minute. Um, but yesterday I gave you the rundown that this wasn't going to be a hard or stressful thing. Um, the, the point here on the show is just to have a, a cool, casual conversation. I think you did a good job. Yeah, so thank great. you. Thanks for having um, me. Guys, you guys can... Uh, Stick with us for this next hour. We have another guest coming on. We have, uh, we're going to talk insurance. And so looking forward to that. Take a quick break, refill your coffee, and come back for another hour of Mortgage Matters. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Mortgage Matters. 
you know, it just occurred to me that um, this is the last show here of September. October. It's already fall. The weather feels like it changed. It's uh, Months are just flying by. We're in the fourth quarter now. Oh, yeah. Pretty wild. Um, so this hour, I'm joined still by Will Barnaby. He's a co-worker of ours, a phenomenal guy. Um, I know him professionally and personally for quite a while. And um, Will's a loan officer for us that uh, serves the North County area. Um, if you guys want any kind of loan help at all, whether it's some kind of analysis or just to check in and see what options might be, you can find Will. We all have the same phone number. It's 543-LOAN. Um, Will knows this, but this guy is uh, one of my favorites. Thank you very much. And thank you for coming in today when Dan's out. Um, he's His cousin's getting married, so he's down doing the whole family thing. And I actually... I sweat a little bit when uh, Dan's not going to be here. Oh, really? But having you on makes I, I'm not nervous at all. So thank you. Oh, I appreciate it. And you're still going to get to play golf today. Absolutely. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> hey, so uh, this next hour, we have a guest here on the show, um, Stacy. And Stacy, pronounce your last name for me. Corsgaden. Corsgaden. That's probably how I would have said it. Can't be sure. So you're a farmer's insurance agent. Correct. Farmer's insurance in Arroyo Grande. Okay. And and we were talking just a little bit before we started the segment here. Um, you've been in business for like six months and are just really learning the ropes here? Not quite. <laughs> How long have you been in business? It's been 25 years and it, it certainly has flown by. That's a good run. 25 years is a pretty good long run. I imagine you've probably at this point have seen it all, done it all in terms of the insurance stuff. Well, I have to say it's it's still a very interesting business. But after 25 years, you you definitely see a trend. Right. Um, I'm one of those transplants from Visalia. Came to Cal Poly and didn't want to leave. And yeah. I'm, I'm certainly glad I stayed. I've noticed that trend. I did that too. Um, my, when my wife and I moved here... It was the idea was to go to college and we sat down and looked at a map of, you know, stuff that was in a reasonable driving distance to home. And we came up here and visited and saw San Luis and I thought, that place is pretty cool. So we moved up here and then both went to Cal Poly and found myself clawing at any opportunity to stay. Who who would live here and then leave here? Um I doubt Visalia is full of people saying that they were from San Luis and they came to visit and never wanted to leave. I've actually heard that a couple times, but <laughs> <laughs> Visalia was an absolute great, it was a great place to be raised. And in a lot of ways, the Central Coast, well, there's so many Valley people here. Sure. But as far as business and, and being here and the wonderful people, it's been a great place to have my business. Right. Yeah. So you've, I, I joke, of course, but you've been here for a good long while. And um, so business-wise, um, what kind of insurance is Farmers offering? So Farmers Insurance is largely based and centered around the family. So it would be auto, home, life insurance, boats, all the toys, you know, ATVs, et cetera, um, umbrellas, um, financial products, and also small business insurance. Okay. 
so that would include, um, we call it uh, business owners policies and work comp. Yeah. Okay. I wonder, I think Dan would know because he's like our paper keeper guy, but I think we actually have a farmer's policy. That's good news. Yeah. Good uh, to hear. I'm not positive. Don't quote me on it. Um, so your industry is a fun one for us to get on here and talk about. It's something that, um, as you well know, the mortgage folks like us deal with every single day. Um, both when, if we're pre-qualifying somebody for, um, purchasing a home, we have to talk to them about things that they need to do. One of which is to obtain an insurance quote and, um, kind of, figure out what they need to do to get the insurance lined up for the home and the different property types have different requirements. And so that's a fun thing. So we know enough about it to be dangerous. And, um, and then likewise, when folks come in to finance a property they already own, they generally have an insurance policy in place. And, uh, we work with their agent to get the loss payee corrected and then also to make sure that the insurance is um, sufficient. And I mentioned to you this right before we got going on the air here, but it's always surprising and alarming to me to see um, insurance. Oftentimes people are underinsured and they don't know it. And I even get people that are a little upset, like they think this is something I've done to them. And they go, well, you know, you've had this insurance policy for 10 years and your house is not, um, it, it would cost more to build it today than it cost 10 years ago. And you have insufficient insurance. Kind of, thank God we figured this out today instead of standing here after the fact, you know, with your pile of ashes trying to wonder why it can't be rebuilt. So, um, I enjoy this conversation because I'd love to hear from you about, um, I'm sure that you have ways that you keep your clientele evaluated and up to date, but um, kind of about those risks and dangers of being underinsured. You bet. One of the most important commitments that I believe any insurance agent has to the customer is to look at reviewing those policies once a year. And, and every company has a name for it. With farmers, it's a farmers-friendly review. Uh-huh. And so if, uh, and there are some amazingly great agents, especially in this area. So the benefit of having a, an individual agent that looks after the policy is that the policies are reviewed annually. And ideally, it's with the customer. So if the customer comes in and... The perfect review for me is it it doesn't last too much longer than a half an hour because if it does it's sometimes it's excruciating for the customer. Yeah. So um, when that meeting takes place, we re- review the actual square footage of the home, the quality of construction. Did they add a bathroom? Did they put granite countertops? All those details, and then we update what's called the the replacement cost of the home. So. We deal with lenders all the time when a refinance occurs, and if a person hasn't reviewed their policies, that's a key time to do it Uh because they're squaring away the the loan with you, and that's a great time to review the the insurance as well. Yeah. um, In the loan process, and I know you know this, but just for sake of listeners, um, most every transaction requires an appraisal. And there's three valuations they do in that appraisal, the sales approach, the income approach, and then the cost approach. And 
the sales approach just compares it to what else is being sold in that market, um, kind of gives us an idea of value. And that's that I think is what most people really identify with. There's an income approach that value is a property, and that takes into consideration um, from like a landlord's perspective, what's this property capable of producing in terms of a um, an income stream, and that has a value with it as well. Um, we don't rely too heavily on that. The sales approach is the bigger thing for us, but all appraisers are required to also complete the cost approach, which attempts to separate out the value of the land, which is not likely to burn down, and um, kind of isolate that from the value of the improvements, and, and not just the... Um, the value of the improvements, but the nature of construction. And I know that you guys are well versed in this, but different construction um, can have very different costs. Is it uh, stucco or wood? Is it on a foundation or a slab? Is it, you know, tile or a composite roof? All these kind of things go into the valuation of the property. And that's what the appraiser uses. And they pull largely from the Marshall and Swift um, guides of price per square foot stuff. But that's where we run into this issue with people that, um, in my experience, this is generally um, a new agent or an agent that's absentee or a company that doesn't have programs in place to review it, but they come in and find out that their replacement cost is 500000 and their policy will cover up to three. Hundred or something, you know, that's that's problematic. It sure is. And, and it, they're upset with us when we tell them you have to increase your dwelling coverage to be sufficient. And now, though they may be saving money on their refinance, their insurance premium has to go up for the extra coverage. And then they're mad at me for it. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is a, a very it's a key time to look at it. But you know, one of the problems that I've experienced, and maybe you can educate the audience, is sometimes we've run into the fact that lenders will require a certain amount of coverage, but when we do our replacement cost, it's less. Right. So on the insurance side, we're only required to insure the dwelling, right. uh, the replacement cost of the dwelling and not the land. How, how do you deal with that? We see that quite a bit, too, where those they just don't reconcile well. And, you know, 10 years ago, the guaranteed replacement was pretty uncommon. And today, my experience is that guaranteed replacement is, um, and that term guaranteed replacement typically implies that the insurance company will cover up to a 125% of their covered amount, right? Right. We call so, it ex extended replacement yeah. cost. So right. under that extended replacement cost, they would... Um, if the house was covered to 300 and in the once permits were pulled and they went to rebuild it and do all of the thing that this policy would then in fact cover I don't know, I, I chose a bad number but yeah maybe 375 is correct. that it yeah correct so that would give them kind of that buffer and so that wasn't normal 10 years ago and now most companies have it as a um, just a a, a part of the package you used to have to pay more for it. I don't know how it works with farmers. Yeah, but. that's correct. And now it's just inherent in the policy. What's happened is through through science and through technology, the companies have gotten much better at determining the replacement cost. Sure. What used to be done on a on a single piece of paper basically is now computerized, and it's it's 
multiple pages of information that we can fill out on the home. Yep. So the replacement cost to begin with is much more accurate. And we also see, you know, like oftentimes um, an older home that may on that, because they'll take into consideration depreciation and stuff on the appraisal. An older home in San Luis, the land is very valuable. And the home, though it's valuable too, will show some depreciation. And so sometimes the combination of the depreciation with the really high land cost will make the replacement cost appear less than it really needs to be. Good point. So in that standpoint, we really encourage people to work closely with the insurance company to not just meet the minimum of what the mortgage company is going to require, but to really make sure they cover the actual replacement cost. Build, rebuilding a home from scratch in downtown slow is probably going to be pretty expensive. Absolutely. You want to make sure that you're all the way covered. And some of those older homes, we have good technology now to look at the detailed moldings and some of the antique features of the San Luis homes. That's pricey to replace. Yeah. So we're, we're careful Definitely. there as well. Yeah. Um, it's already time to do the first commercial break of the segment. I have some questions for you, too. Yeah, we're going to let you talk in the next part here. I'm um, just waiting for you to take a breath. I'm dying to know, though. I have a trampoline at my house. That's Don't tell like anybody that. Over, uh, it's on my RV parking, so it's on a nice concrete slab, and the this... neighborhood kids are always over jumping on it. So don't answer now, but I want to know if you think that's a good idea or not. Uh, we're going to do a commercial break. When we get back, we'll uh, have more talk on insurance. Stick with us for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Imagine if you'd purchased Google stock 10 years ago or bought gold before it went through the roof. How much money would you have right now? Today's real estate market is ripe with opportunities just like these. It's rare that real estate values and mortgage rates are low at the same time. Rates will go up and home values will too. Stop renting. Owning a home is more attainable than you think. We are living in the golden age of real estate. Call 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. 
Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right, everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. I do, Jim. I do remember when it was September. Okay. Um, you didn't have a, something in there for, like, home insurance? Yeah, that's a tough one. I'll, I'll find something, maybe. There's got to be something. <laughs> Some country song about the house burning down or something. Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> burning down jumped. the house. <laughs> there Perfect. we go. <laughs> Next break, burning down the house. You'll have to bring us back to burning down the house. Oh, that's going to be great. The roof is on fire. Uh, all right. So um, Stacy is a farmer's agent. We've been talking insurance stuff. I'm sure it's exhilarating for everybody. Uh, we can move on from that idea of whether people are sufficiently insured or not. Uh, I just encourage everybody to look into it. Um, I, this, maybe don't listen for a second. Can you kill her headphones for a second? I hate insurance. I just do. It feels like it's something where um, you're just throwing money away. And that's probably because I've never had a claim. But I, you've been on the side of the table when somebody walks in and they're just thanking God that you had them properly insured because you saved their everything. Right? Abs- absolutely. And it was sometimes it was someone that said something just like you. <laughs> but really, though, I mean, insurance, it's... You, you, you know what? You really hope that you never have to use it and you never want to be without it. Right. So it is, It people spend percentage-wise a big number of their of their monthly income on insurance, but it is there when you need it. So I'm, I'm only just meeting you today, so you can't hate me for this, but my homeowner's policy is with um, State Farm. Good company. And what I've never asked my agent about this trampoline issue I have. What is? It, what do you think? Well, first of all, I, every company is going to look at that differently. Okay. So you need to talk to your agent. Okay. Um, that would be, if someone did get hurt, it would be covered under liability. And that's a big issue for someone that owns a home, maybe owns multiple properties. That if, if a kid should be injured and a parent wants to come back and sue you, the question is, do you have enough insurance? I hope so. I have all the I have all the insurance that I'm legally required to have. And then I also bought a million dollar balloon or umbrella to like hopefully keep my bacon clean if if it ended up in a big, <laughs> big spot. But well, I think maybe if you bring those policies in, we'll look at them and make sure that they're OK. All right. Now, I have a um, I watched a video on the Internet this week, by the way, of uh, some guy in um, a four hundred thousand dollar car, like a it was like a Lamborghini or a Ferrari or something. Not a car we see around here. Um, just bebopping down the road, and somebody made a left turn in front of him illegally and hit this four hundred thousand dollar car. Oh, the car broke in half because it's kind of designed to do this and protected the passengers and everything just fine. But this four hundred thousand dollar car is like. I mean, you'd have to pay somebody to haul it off at this point. That's definitely a bad day. And I was thinking, 
Uh, if you're the knucklehead that's got that like uh, bare bones insurance and you tangle with one of these $400,000 cars, you're probably in a pretty bad spot, right? I would think so, yeah. Because isn't the normal coverage like 30, 60, 30 or something? I don't know what, on the, auto? what the average is, but this, the state minimum for bodily injury is 15, 30. And I've seen as low as, I still see, see as low as 5,000 for property damage. Yeah, that's so, not going to be good if you wreck something that expensive. No. Um, the building here that's at the corner of Madonna. No, not Madonna. Is it? Yeah, I guess it is. Madonna hits Los Osos Valley Road and the corrugated building there that's on the side. You know what I'm talking about? There's an Apple store type of thing in there and a mattress store and all that other the stuff. Oh, I got building. you now. Yeah, yeah it's gray. Cars run into that building all the time. It's like as soon as they patch that hole, somebody else mm -hmm. misses the corner and hits the building. And I don't think you could punch a hole in that building and have five grand cover it. Probably, no. probably not. No. One of the other things that I see too that, you know, there are a lot of variety of dogs. Speaking yeah. of speaking of liability, oh, I do. I have three pit bulls too. Yeah, that's that's always a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, there there are certain breeds, and that happens to be one of them that some insurance companies will underwrite differently. Mm -hmm. So, and some companies will actually write those dogs, but if there is a bite, then they will exclude your pets for forever. So you have to be really careful and and manage your animals to make sure that they don't bite. Yeah. So, so that's that's a biggie. Yeah. I would like to think most people are managing their animals to I, not bite. You know, things happen, but uh, sometimes people aren't as careful as they should be. We have the sweetest little yellow lab. I don't think she'll bite it. Oh, that those are great dogs. Unless she might they're lick like somebody. flying off the trampoline onto the concrete. <laughs> I did buy the. I had to replace the trampoline recently. Um, a lot of people wonder why we have one because they're so dangerous. I guess, but uh, when you have boys that have limitless energy you have to have some way for them to go expend that it's been a good investment but now we have one that at least has an enclosure around it so nobody can fly off anymore we did have the unenclosed one for a while nobody really broke anything yet mm. so that's good now we have the enclosure and did you say you had that over some kind of oh it's on concrete, concrete? Yeah. okay yeah nice soft landing spot well you i know. mean yeah, I, I don't, I'm not the parent that like has everybody in a padded room all the time anyway. You know, we got dirt bikes and all that stuff. So we're, we're injury prone and good at doing first aid. So what else about the uh, insurance do you think is um, areas that people really need to pay some attention or uh, get some service? You know, some of the, the hot topic for this year has been dealing with the, it's called Fireline, and mm -hmm. dealing with the California wildfire potential. And back in 2007, when we had some major losses uh, due to wildfire, um, I know farmers looked at dealing with that issue completely differently. And um, during that particular claim, we found that we were actually 33% um, responsible on some of those risks. So out of 100%, um, we were we paid out 33% of so the claims. So in other words, you guys you guys insured too many people living in the canyon and on the, the fire edges? Correct. And 
what was more interesting was that overall share of the market share was 15% of the claims. So that meant that we... Were too liberal about writing those policies on the edges? Right. So what, what's happened is Farmers has done an, a great job in um, utilizing science and insurance companies use what's called ISO, the Insurance Service Organization, mm-hmm. to gather information. And what they do is they score based on satellite imagery, um, a property, and it's zero to 30. And if you're a zero score, that's good rate-wise. And if you're a 30, it's bad. And it's... So what goes into the score? I'd imagine it's like how close you are to a big canyon or how far the nearest fire station is, whether or not you have like a fire hydrant near your house, all that stuff. It's based on three major factors. It's slope, Mm. access, and fuel. So if you're, obviously, if your house is on top of a hill, then the fire is going to burn faster. If you have one road in and one road out to get to your home, then that's harder to get to your property. And fuel, they actually take the image of your property and look at the density of the fuel around the property. Wow. It's, it's interesting. So does that mean a lot of people got uninsured? Well, not with, with what farmers did if we had a property that was a higher fire uh, a score a higher fire line score it was recently re-rated but we did not cancel any properties so mm. that's good um, there were some companies that actually did hmm. so but if you let's say you were to close a loan and it would be 10 miles out of town then we would be any new property that we would write would be rewritten or re-underwritten using those new guidelines right so I don't know if you've had any loans that were maybe outside of town. That Did you have any difficulties? Um, we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's certainly come up. In fact, and there's been little changes, too, in some of the guidelines around town as far as planning goes. Uh, you, some of those off-the-grid type of places are required to keep, like, a, a water on-site water retention bin that would be used for battling fire if they weren't, you know, near a fire hydrant. So. We've come across those things all together. I wouldn't say that it's been a big deal. Didn't feel like it hasn't prevented any business from happening. Though I have had clients that are buying in those remote areas that have trouble obtaining policies. Um, I've had a lot of problems getting policies in certain places. Out, you know, out in Paso, Hog Canyon area, and you start getting out into the sticks a little like bit. Like some companies just redlined them and said, we just we don't write in there. Yeah, and they've actually driven out and measured the distance. I don't know exactly how accurately the distance to a fire station or, you know, other types of uh, infrastructure that might help if there was a fire. But I've had problems with certain properties getting insurance out there. Yeah. So there are every company is going to look at that information and they're going to underwrite it differently. So just because one company won't write in that certain area doesn't mean that another company, I mean, farmers will write. Um, certain properties that other companies won't. So it, you might have if the farther you you are out from town, you're you're probably going to have to shop a little bit more. Right. Yeah. But there's definitely competition. If there actually is no company that will take it, there's always the fair plan. They're the last resort. That you pay double. Well, they're they're <laughs> and they call it fair. Right. Right. Well, there at least there is an option. Sure. And so if someone does have difficulty, there there's there are options basically. Yeah. There's yeah. options mm-hmm. out there. Um, you know, I was, 
in terms of the insurance too, um, I always wondered if uh, how many does is there any metrics on people that just don't have homeowners insurance? You know, they I certainly don't run into that very often. It's very rare. There's a disclosure in the loan package that we go through. Um, it's actually now a checkbox on the truth and lending statement, which kind of gives some of the loan terms and the APR. It's it's intended to be a slow down and read form. Will you probably go over it closely with your clients too? I break my loan disclosures into like the rip through it. It doesn't matter pile like the fair lending notice and equal credit opportunity and right to receive appraisal, all this stuff that's the same for everyone. And then there's forms that we slow down and go through. And um, this one says that you have to keep homeowner's insurance or that fire insurance as long as you um, have a loan. And I always tell people, but you know better than that. Even when this loan is paid off, you're going to keep it insured because if it should burn, you're going to want somebody to build it for you, right? Right. And um, I, I think with that large of an asset, that's something that they're going to want to protect. Now, what we do run across is maybe someone, a very sophisticated homeowner that has maybe some real mature properties and they've had them paid off for a long time. Their main concern is liability. I mean, I have run across that where we can extend liability to a property. And so if someone gets hurt, they're covered. But maybe they're willing to assume the risk of replacing that, that dwelling. But those types of investors, we don't really see. Oh, you said real often. mature property. That was like a realtor term for like Old. A, a leaning building. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> <laughs> I, lo I love that, by the way, when you if, if you look at listings that realtors write, um, like the kind that come out in the paper, it's fun to use your decoder on them. Cozy is like too small and mature is like maybe a teardown. Um, <laughs> charming. Charming. Yeah. means eclectic and funky. <laughs> use your decoder going through these words. Uh, it reminds me of a funny thing I saw uh, regarding the way people describe themselves on single sites, but we won't get into that here. Um, good times. So, uh, all right. So that's that's kind of the issue about people on the fringe and those fire breaks, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, what else do you think? Well, some of the things that we're we're seeing, uh, the big thing I'd like to encourage people, whether they're with farmers or with any other company, is we've heard the word, it's probably overutilized, but bundling. Oh, sure. And oftentimes when I have a person come in with, and I ask them to bring in their policies, I'll see three or four different carriers. Right. And so if we can bring those policies together, let's say a homeowner and an auto, typically the cross discounts 20% mm -hmm. on every policy. So it's big. When you said that, it reminded me of something else that I intended to say today. Um, one of my favorite things to bring up when we have an insurance agent on, um, and I, I think this goes both ways. I, you'll benefit from my statement at the same time you got to wonder about your existing clients. But I see people that come in that have been with the same carrier for 15 years. And I'm going to pick on USAA right now because I kind of feel like they're one of the worst offenders in this, at least as far as I can tell. Um, USAA does a lot of uh, insurance policies for um, people in the 
in the army, navy, you know, basically armed services folks, and they do bank stuff and have kind of been there forever. So it's kind of like if your dad was in the army and you were in the army, you'd, USAA does that stuff for you. And so I'll get these people that come in. Um, recently, my friend Dick came in and I was looking at everything for him and his homeowner's insurance was like $1,800 a year. And I'm like, that's awfully high. He must have like a really low deductible and he didn't. And then I looked at the appraisal and looked at the cost approach and replacement costs. And I'm going, this is unusually high for a, for a home valued at $450,000. It just should not be that high. And um, I said, when was the last time you like checked in with these guys to find out what discounts you're eligible for or, or why you're just paying so much for your insurance? And he's like, well, it's what it's always been. You know, it's, they haven't raised it in years. And I thought, well, that doesn't make it any better that you've been paying such a high premium for years. Because when I get some policies, we'll see some policies that appear to be adequately insured for $500 a year. And my experience, we use a factor of like 0.25% of the loan amount to estimate what the premium should be. Um, but usually on a $400,000 house, I expect to see a monthly premium of about 70 to 80 bucks a month, give or take. If you have a fur collection and a gun collection and a pit bull and a trampoline, maybe it's more. Um, but when one rolls in at 205, I kind of go, wait, what, what are you insuring here? It's very expensive. Um, so my point is, being with one carrier for a long time doesn't necessarily mean that you have a good deal. Um, it doesn't mean that it's competitive at all. And I always want to encourage people to revisit that. You know, there's people that are listening today that have, and I don't mean to like pick on farmers, but maybe they've been with some, maybe they've been with State Farm for 12 years and they're overpaying by so many hundreds of dollars a year. It adds up. And so I think most people should see the opportunity to um, make sure their insurance is sufficient and also gain competitive quote. Um, make sure that they know they're in the market still. Absolutely. Now, in your last segment, you were talking about the fact that you really would like to see some competition in your utilities. You were talking about yeah. that. And I have to say with an insurance companies that there's lots of competition. So my most valuable client is the one that entrusts me to review their insurance and to take care of them, whether it's one year or 25 years. Right. But if the, the agent's responsibility or the company's responsibility is to really revisit those coverages. So right. if it hasn't changed in 18 years, that could be good. It could be bad. I, yeah. don't, I don't know. And I don't I also don't mean to imply that it, that this conversation is just about rate, because I don't know. My experience when I see the farmers policies is that they're right in the market with everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I'm not suggesting that everybody deserves or should seek out the cheapest possible insurance. With your cheapest possible, you that's where you get those agents that are asleep at the wheel and haven't followed up with you or made sure you're covered in years on end and all that kind of thing. There's certainly a value to having a, a, an agent that cares for your business truly. Um, so I don't mean to say that it's just about being as cheap as possible, um, but I do think it's important to be educated and know 
what you're working with, how they stack up against the com- competition, and that you're adequately covered. I would say that it's it's never about price, but it is about price. Right. The thing is, when you have an individual agent, and there, like I said earlier, there's some tremendous agents with all different companies in our area. the The job of the agent, which I feel cannot really be handled by an 800 number is to look at the health, the financial health and the insurance health of the individual to make sure that they're properly insured. So that's our job. So if we are only looking at the homeowner's policy and we aren't looking, well, two weeks ago, I had a chance to really review a a nice family's insurance portfolio with with another um, company and their homeowner's liability was set at a million but their auto liability was at 100 300 their net worth was over a million so you said that you had purchased an umbrella for your portfolio it's really important so what we were able to do was take the insurance and equal the, cover- the liability across the home and the autos and raise some deductibles on their auto policy and purchased an umbrella and we actually lowered their cost. That's how that's what I was going to say. That's how I got my umbrella. Um, by having the additional coverage, I got discounts on some other things. And the way it all shook out, I managed to add substantial coverage for not any more money. And I was thrilled to be able to do that. Um, worst thing I can picture is like doing something stupid, whether it's changing lanes on the freeway or missing a corner and running through a building and then losing everything you have after a lifetime of hard work and savings and all that. And I, it can happen, right? Absolutely. I'm knocking on wood. So the, the big, (laughs) I would say a big thing for your audience to ask yourself is ask um, their insurance agent is what is my bodily injury limit and how does that pertain to their net worth? And make sure that that's protected. Yeah, and then additionally, I mean, when I first up that coverage for myself, um, was sitting down with an agent, and we were describing the the benefit of the plan. And it turns out that it it was, in my opinion, insufficient to even provide medical care if I had a car full of people and we had an accident. There wasn't enough benefit for a car full of people, and. You know, so I said, well, we need more. If something should happen, we want to make sure that the injured parties can get, you know, don't get thrown out of the doctor's office before they're fixed. So your your friend that probably didn't look at his homeowner's policy for 18 years has not looked at his his auto policy. And I imagine that in the last 18 years, his net worth has grown. Oh, yeah. So how is that protected? That's a concern. That is something to worry about. I think that's the big thing, though. People get an insurance policy. They don't think about it, and it just goes unattended. And that's what I see. Like when we're, like you're talking about people doing mortgages or refinances, not having enough insurance. It's because they bought it, and it's like taxes. They just assume they're going to have to pay it, just and pay off it. they go. Yeah. 20 years can go by, and I don't think that they get reviewed sometimes. Yeah. Now we got a... Uh opportunity here to take a few phone calls so if you're interested in calling in asking a question or sharing a comment you can the number is 543-8830 
543-8830. Go ahead and take a phone call here from Dorothy from lovely San Luis Obispo. Good morning, Dorothy. Good morning, all of you. Thank you. How Hi, are Dorothy. you? I'm great. Uh, I'd like her. She's doing a great job, and so did your solar man. Thank you. Uh, what I'd like her to throw in the mix is um, earthquake insurance. You bet. And particularly we have, okay, a combination of three houses. One is built where I know there was some landfill, and that one definitely is the first one I put earthquake insurance on. Because if it's going to shake, it's going to shake any, you know, where it's been built up. Built on trash. No, this was a solid hill oh, okay. up Tassajara, but it was angled, and to make the lots flat, they filled in to make the lots flat across the Got top. Got it, okay. At Lunetta's, so, and it is very affordable. Yeah. 100% affordable for the peace of mind you have, okay? Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Dorothy. All right, bye. So tell us about earthquake insurance. By the way, I don't have any. So let's talk about that. <laughs> so earthquake insurance for most carriers is through the California Earthquake Authority, CEA. Yep. And a basic policy, it, the standard policy, will match the coverage or the replacement cost of the house. And then, so think of it, if there's an earthquake, there is literally a different schedule of coverage and payout. So... When they come up with the dwelling coverage, it does match the dwelling that was on the fire policy. Then personal property is limited to $5,000. And loss of use, and loss of use is coverage that will pay out if you've lost the use of your house and you can't live in your house. That's actually limited to $1,500. And then a typical policy will have a building code upgrade of 10,000. Right. Now, the Dorothy's right. The cost of the CEA coverage in in San Luis Obispo County is really good. So for a typical $200,000 home and I'm I'm guesstimating, it's about 150 shouldn't be any more than $200 a year. The biggie where a lot of people turn away from the earthquake insurance is the basic has a 15% deductible. Yeah, and that's the number that I kind of wrestled with because that sounds like a big deductible, right? I mean, $400,000 house, 15%, 60 grand. So, in the event that your house is destroyed, you have to cough up 60,000 bucks to to rebuild it basically. And while that sounds like a lot of money, if your house was destroyed, right. you can't build one for 60 grand. So, it does probably make sense. And I I think that your viewpoint on that coverage really changes the more equity you have in the home. Sure. And so if you Well, yeah, except for it's still your your beat, you're lost. I mean, for Absol- me if if your house is destroyed in an earthquake and you don't have earthquake insurance, you still have to make your mortgage payment, right. or else figure out how to you know go default on that and deal with those consequences. So it's it is affordable though. I wanted you just there's a couple more calls we need to move on quickly, but for a four hundred thousand dollar house, what are we thinking? I'm, I'm thinking three to four hundred a year. A year. I do real quickly though. Um, recently, I would say in the last several years, you now can buy down to a 10 percent deductible, okay. and on personal property, you can bump that up to a hundred thousand now, 
and loss of use, you can also bump that up. So so should we have earthquake insurance? I, I recommend it. Do you have it on your house? I do. And <sighs> before the Northridge earthquake, I, I did not. And after the Northridge earthquake, they made some, I think, some very positive changes where they really focused on covering your biggest asset, which is the dwelling. Yeah. And, and the cost huh. went down. So I, I believe right. in it. All right. Put it on the list. One more thing to spend money on. <laughs> uh, another phone call here. We have Carl calling from Shell Beach. Good morning. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Yeah. Very good program today. A uh, couple things. Uh, the Libs, Carl, meaning Democrats in Sacramento, the radio. passed the, the Democrats uh, passed the uh, parcel thing on the fire insurance rural fire thing. Of course, thank God we've got the Howard Jarvis group that's suing him because it's unconstitutional. Now, what effect on your policy rates will there be if and when this uh, tax is declared unconstitutional? Carl, great, great question. So I think what you're referring to is probably a billing or a fee that was determined that the state could could issue people that were outside of the normal, not normal, I'm sorry, outside of, of town. And I don't know what parameters they use, but they're calling it a fire protection fee. Is that what you're referring to? That's right. Not not by a vote of the people, so it's unconstitutional. Right. I And I I know that I personally was, uh, was charged that for a property that's up in Shaver Lake. And so... I think they're collecting a lot of fees on that, but it falls back on where these properties are located, and it's going to fall back on the fire line score and the um, different ways that companies are underwriting properties that are outside of town. So if they find that this is unconstitutional, I would say that it really hasn't had a bearing or a factor, the fee itself, on how we determine rates, but... Yet so you're it, saying that your rates will go up, right? No, it shouldn't. We're we're not we're not looking at that billing or that fee at all. When what we have looked at is the fire line where the properties are located, but it has nothing to do with the fact that the state is bill, billing this separate fee or not. So the insurance companies are looking at when we determine rates, we look at where is the house located. Where is it in relationship to fire protection, fuel, slope, and access? And so it's the science of how fast can we get out there to protect that house? And won't the, just logically, I would hope that lawmakers would be utilizing the same factors in their determination of who gets assessed that extra bill, right? Well, my, the question Carl has and that I have is that we're already paying, paying tax, and so why is there an extra fee? I think that's for, I'm definitely not the expert on that. Hmm. Um, but I do know that it's been a, it's, it's been big news and a lot of yeah, people aren't happy. It's, a, it's just a big slush fund for the overpaid firemen. Well, I'm, I'm, I would, I love our firemen and I love the protection that they, they do. But as far as uh, that whole thing, I, I, I have to keep it towards insurance and, you can see that the premiums would have to be different for someone that lives 12 miles out of town versus two blocks from the fire station. 
But as far as this fee, I'm definitely not an expert on it. Yeah, the fee the fee is for additional services from the fire department. It shouldn't affect insurance, I wouldn't assume. Well, unless they're using the same metric to calculate the additional expense or risk, then you would expect the whether or not you believe the fee is fair or constitutional or what have you, if they're evaluating them with the same metrics, which I would like to think they are, then I you would, would believe there's a, a relationship between the two. But, well, yeah, there's a relationship, but they're not yeah. tied together. All right. Um, Carl, thanks so much for the phone call. We definitely appreciate it. Uh, we have another phone call. We have Jeff calling from Beautiful Harmony. Good morning, Jeff. Welcome to the show. Good morning. <laughs> I wasn't sure that I should try to complicate the issue here um, because it, my question is complicated, but its uh, its fundamental um, question is when a company chooses to un un umbrella. Um, that happened to um, us when my parents were passing away. They both passed away some number of years ago, and then having been properly insured all of our lives. It's uh, caused a, um, you know, a, a terrible problem of trying to get rebundled. Huh. So, Jeff, are you saying that you, it sounds like you might have had some policies linked with, with uh, your parents. Well, it? It was, it was, uh, it's, our situation personally is so complicated that I don't know that you would have time on the air to, uh, to even address it. But the I issue generically is when the insurance company who was, a, I don't even remember which company it was that this all started, but uh, XYZ company says, oh, we're not going to have uh, homeowners any longer, or we're not going to have car insurance any longer. They un umbrella us that started a, well, now we've got two companies, now we've got three companies, now we've got eight companies, and then when, you, when you're in a trust situation, it even becomes more complicated because after having passed, when they passed, so it just, it just caused all of us to to never having gotten us back onto what kind of coverage we'd had all of our lives. So, so Jeff, that does sound like a unique situation, but I'll make some assumptions. Sometimes we have clients that own individual property, and then they have their cars, and then dealing with uh, maybe they are they acquire other property that's still listed in a trust. So what we would do or what I would recommend that you do is you should be able to, in most situations, should be able to still get um, one carrier that should be able to look at all of those policies. And even if the home is listed in a trust, there's ways of managing those accounts so it's easier for you because that can get very complicated. Um I'm not too shy to say this. It sounds like Jeff should call you and get some consultation. Well, yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, the the company I'm currently with, I am happy, but it's still the typical typical situation where you're not dealing with the agent any longer. You're, it's the 800 number, and and mm. I would far rather be working with someone that is covering my back. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely an advocate of being able to sit down with with a person and reviewing the whole scenario because an 800 number um, and, and I'm not saying that they aren't right for some people but for for most people that are looking at having the right amount of insurance 
find someone that you can trust and talk about the pros and cons and the different levels of coverage that you might need and that are that are right for your family. Correct. And then we all have the problem of, you know, there's only so many pennies in a dollar and if, if you, you sometimes can't do what you want to do. You know, and that is part of the management of your insurance. And there are many options. Well, great. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you having addressed that. Good talking to you, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. All right, listen, we're running out of time. I want to tell you something. First of all, Jeff, uh, I think you should call Stacy. It never hurts. That's I, my point. Uh, I'll tell you guys, um, I have a face for radio. Um, that means that I'm not super attractive and it's not all about the tie and all that kind of stuff. Stacy is good looking, friendly. Um, approachable easy enough to sit down and talk to you obviously skilled at doing insurance i don't get the sense that you're one of these salespeople that if i made the ma mistake of calling you you're going to harass me to the point where i wish i never met you that's a promise thank you very much so that being said for anybody that's looking to get some kind of counsel or guidance um, i do this with the loan stuff take your what you got and come see me if nothing else, we're going to meet each other. Well, I'll spend a few minutes together, figure out if it's if what you're doing is good or not, if there's opportunities to improve your coverage for what you're already paying or potentially um, get a discount and keep the same coverage. There's a lot of different ways to skin the cat. I think people should want to come find you and, and search that out. You seem like a good person to do business with. I appreciate that very much. Um, and I want to just tell you all real quick my favorite stories about my brother-in-law. This dude's tech savvy, Mr. Fancy Pants, um, came up to, um, he moved up to the area, actually works for us um, now, and uh, heard him on the phone with Geico one day. I go, oh. what are you doing with Geico? Cheap insurance, man. Have you heard the commercials? I go, you are so lame. Call this my friend. Um, not the cheapest insurance in town, State Farm. Um, I've mentioned them a couple times. I have a good relationship with her, and you can't fault me for it because I just met you. Um, but she, I said, call my friend Susan Rodriguez and talk to her. You're lame for having Geico. Um, they were literally 35% less than Geico. I love it. So that's normal. That marketing costs a ton of dough. And my point is... You can get way higher quality service by working with somebody locally and probably still save money because most people are doing these things wrong. Um, so anybody that wants to get a hold of you can, how? Stacy Corsgodden, Farmers Insurance, um, in Arroyo Grande, 481-1416. And we got it on the website too. So you can check out centralcoastlending.com. To get a copy of the show or find Stacy's information there, call us this week. We're at 543-LOAN, which is 543-5626. Thanks much for listening. We'll see you next month in October for more Mortgage Matters.